In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. I'd like to start with a simple question and no need for a show of hands or, you know, you still get communion if you don't answer, it's okay. <laughs> Who likes surprises? Okay, think in your mind some surprises that you have experienced and I'm sure that two kinds will come into your mind, good and bad. Not all surprises are good. Some of the good surprises that uh, we have been shared with all of us, anybody that watches TV, is the, the wonderful return of veterans and how they surprise families. And the latest one that I saw is a little girl playing basketball and, and the dad uh, has donned the uh, mascot con uh, costume. So at a particular time, you know, he comes and hugs the little girl and then she, you see her kind of step back and it's like, I know that voice and he takes the head off and it's dad. Wonderful, great, great events like that. Then there are others that are not, that's good. The commercial about the man who is in the shower and hears his uh, wife say, Honey, I left the iron on. Can you turn it off? And he says, sure. So he opens the, the curtain, steps out of the bathroom to a birthday surprise. <laughs> That's not good. Now, let me share with you a personal not good. This is Valentine's Day, and I know it's coming up, and Nancy and I are in Memphis, Tennessee, and uh, for Valentine's, uh, I said, where would you like to go eat? And uh, she says, let's go to our favorite Mexican restaurant. So we went there. Knowing that, I contacted one of the members of a congregation I was serving, who was uh, one of a trio of a cappella singers called Sweet Adelines. And what they would do for a donation, uh, they didn't charge anything for themselves, for a donation, they would come and sing two songs to anybody at any setting and then give the person a candy rose. I said, perfect, perfect. So we step in the restaurant and I said, why don't we take that table over there? And she looks at me and says, why? I said, I don't know, just to be different because I knew they would be on the side. So here after we get the perennial chips and salsa and the margaritas, here come the sweet Adelines, and they do beautiful two songs, give her the rose, and I'm just, just so proud, just, I pulled this off, this was wonderful. I will never do it again. It was most embarrassing for her, because all of a sudden, everybody was looking at her, and that was not a good surprise. Jesus, seem to have an uncanny way of surprising people. And even though we see it now, after we know the rest of the story, to be a good thing, imagine being in the synagogue and being told by a young itinerant preacher that the prophecy in Isaiah has been fulfilled in your presence. And that is the ending of last week's reading when Jesus says, quotes from Isaiah about freeing the prisoners and healing those who are ill. 
He had defined his own vocation at that moment. Remember, Luke says, empowered by the Holy Spirit, he goes to the synagogue. And then he proceeds to read and sits down to teach. And then people at the beginning say, wow, that is good. Because he had not sunk in. Just as Jeremiah was consecrated in his mother's womb to be a prophet for God, so Jesus is anointed by the Holy Spirit as God's beloved. And the congregation is amazed. However, when it sinks in what he said, this excitement, if you will, turns into skepticism and anger. How dare you speak that way? Who are you anyway? You're Joseph's son. We know who you are. We saw you grow up. You're just a carpenter. What do you mean that you have fulfilled the scripture? Someone we know well cannot say that. Second question for this morning. Have you ever been rejected? Have you ever been told no? Because of who you are, your family's been, some of the things you did in the past, some of the things you failed to do in the past, our credibility seems to suffer because of those things. And what happens is that people remember, have you ever been found not good enough? I remember personally, I was the last little runt little boy that was picked for any ball team. And if it was uh, an odd number, I was the odd man out if he went, I was the last one picked. So there was six and six and here I am. All right, who's gonna take the little boy? I was asked to return and give the, uh, the grace prayer at my 20th high school reunion. And uh, some people uh, came to me and said, and, and why are you doing this? In other words, why were you picked? And I said, well, I've been a priest now in the Episcopal Church for whatever, 15 years or whatever it was. Is it really you? <laughs> but I remember, I said, yes, you remember and so do I, but that's in the past. So there was a question as to why it is that I was doing that. And that was increase the skepticism was increased when I was asked to come back and do a service for those fraternity brothers who had died since the charter for the school had been granted 50 years before and it's kind of like you but you 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 were the guy that always tapped the kegs so what you know you skepticism again but I think the worst that ever happened to me was three days before my ordination to the diaconate. The chairman of the Commission of Ministry said that he was not pleased with the way I had performed in my written exams and he was going to delay me for one year. Invitations had been printed, vestments were ready, readers were picked, all that was suspended for a year. Well, let's go back to that synagogue. 
aware of their reaction and their request for a miracle. In other words, show us something. We hear that you did this in Capernaum. Now you're in Nazareth. Do something here. We want to see. He quotes two passages from the scripture that they know. First Kings and Second Kings. And it is important that we understand that the Jews believed that they were the chosen people of God. At the day of the Lord, they would be saved and the rest of the people would not be saved. And Jesus uses two examples to let them know that God is in charge and God will call and bring anyone that he so desires into his kingdom, not just the Jews. Well, being that God is in charge, does that mean that we're now left out? Now we're not the ones that are chosen. Now we're not the ones that will go with God at the end of time. They did not like notion that Gentiles would be allowed to enter the kingdom of God. The idea that God is present to all people was not acceptable to them. And regardless of their relationship to Abraham, they would not be chosen necessarily. And this enrages the crowd to the point of wanting to kill. Now that's some anger. That is some anger. And what Luke has done for us early in the process of Jesus' ministry is to set up the way that Jesus is going to be viewed throughout the gospel. Number one, he will proclaim something very important. He will teach, he will heal. There is a proclamation about God's love for his people. Second will come a rejection from those who do not want to believe and do not follow him. And third, there be persecution. Not unlike biblical characters before, like Moses and, and Gideon and Isaiah and even Jeremiah, who later on in his life becomes a patron saint of Three Dog Night rock and roll band. This explosion of anger and rejection happens with, within the assembly of people worshiping in Nazareth, like we're doing now. Do you think in this setting something could be said that would be so insulting to you that you would in one mind come together and try to kill the person who said it? Probably not. I would say that we're more socialized now than people were at that time, but not all the time. They become angry when they hear that God loves other people outside of their own prescribed boundaries. As I was serving the Diocese of West Tennessee as canon to the ordinary there, it was my um, task to travel to churches every Sunday, very much like a bishop does, and 
be there present so that there would be two churches visited every weekend throughout the year by diocesan presence, if you will. And I went to one church where the bishop had had a bit of difficulty like two or three weeks before. And after the sermon was over during the peace, this person did not wait until the thing was over during the peace. You know, I exchanged the peace with this lady and she says, I did not like what you said. And I said, I'm, I'm sorry. You really believe that God can take into heaven anyone he wants? And I went, yeah, he's in charge of it. Well, I'll have to think about that because I don't think I believe that. In her mind, people who looked like her, lived like her, believed like her, were the ones who were chosen to go to heaven. Anyone outside of those boundaries would not. Third question for you. What are your prescribed boundaries for people to go to heaven? Who are they? What do they look like? What do they smell like? The poor, the hungry, the lost, those are the ones that are gonna go first. Just in case you're in line, they go first. You see, in, in our baptism, either our parents and godparents promise for us, or if we were adults, we promise to grow into the full stature of Christ. That is our goal. That's what we're here to do. To navigate and travel through this life to get to the other one and be as close to the full stature of Christ. To live out our lives following the promises of the scroll of Isaiah that Jesus read last week. To continue to contribute to the mission of our church in this world to be present and active to worship God. How long do you ask, must I do this? Sometimes the road gets really weary. Sometimes we're tired. Sometimes we're hurt. Sometimes we have more energy than a dynamo. And sometimes we're so happy we want to share the stories with everyone. I don't know how long but I ask you to join me. Let's do this together until God's kingdom is established. And I do not know when that will be. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.